Hello, ladies. Welcome to another episode. Today's episode is going to be jam-packed with education. Today's episode is going to be about mortgages. I'm going to be interviewing Melanie Tagliaferro. She is the mortgage queen. She has a more she has a brokerage in Austin, Texas. So I'm going to be interviewing her. But before we get into it, I want to announce that I'm hosting a totally free workshop on September 29th. It's called Buying Your First Home with Confidence. Basically, I'm going to be teaching you the right way to buy real estate because there is a wrong way and there is a right way. We're going to be covering the first steps, how to get started, like what you need to know, who you need to who you need on your side, mortgages, so much more because everything I teach in the academy and in this workshop, everything that I'm going to be teaching, this podcast, everything is so much more than straight up real estate definitions. It is all encompassing. It's with the feminine energy, doing it your way, learning the ideas behind things and making them your way. So if you're interested in that workshop, it's going to be totally free. So go to my Instagram link in bio to sign up. If you can't make it live, the recording will be sent to you. So with that, ladies, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Real Estate Queens podcast, ladies. I'm Marina Schifferman, your real estate fairy godmother. And in these episodes, we are going to talk everything, buying and owning real estate, confidence, money, so many juicy topics, and all the female empowerment vibes. Let's do it. Hello? Melanie, hey. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I I literally don't know what if I'm just like cursed with technology today but my laptop has melted down and then zoom isn't working and I'm like I just need to leave and go to Mexico yeah that's pretty much a sign I think you're right (laughs) so um well I'm glad that we're doing this podcast because then you're out yeah yeah (sighs) I'm gonna be I'm gonna just peace right out after this Amazing. Well, before you do, let's give the gals that listen to this podcast some education. So today we're going to be having the riveting conversation about mortgages. So why don't you just introduce yourself first? Sure. Okay. So my name's Melanie Talia Farrell. Um, I am a loan officer in Austin, Texas, and I've been doing mortgages for 19 years, which feels like forever. Um, since I'm, I'm 41, so 19 years is a lot of my life. Um, I got into mortgage sort of by accident. I have two uncles who were like, you should try this because I was working at an Abercrombie as a manager, which was the worst job in the history of jobs. And, um, I was like, I really need to do something else. So I started at the way, way, way at the bottom um, and which was actually turned out to be a huge blessing. Um, worked my way up into different roles. And, um, now I, I work for, um, one of the top mortgage companies in the country, Fairway. And, um, I have two offices here and have about 30 employees and just plugging right along. Yes. Sounds like you're a badass woman. Um, basically, um, you can say, no, I'm just kidding. Yes. Um, 
All right, let's dive into this subject. So like uh, generally, what is a mortgage and how does it work and who gives you one and all that juicy stuff? Yeah. So, um, for, for the, you know, most people, um, you know, if there's a house for sale for $500,000, most of us don't have, you know, just $500,000 sitting around available. Um, and so you need to borrow money to acquire the property and that's where the mortgage comes in. And that's where we loan you, um, a, uh, amount of money that the lien that we create is secured by the home. And so, um, you put down whatever you can with, from your own funds, and then we lend you the rest. And the mortgage itself is recorded. It's public record. Um, it is considered um, a lien on the property, which means that if you were to try to sell it, um, you can't sell it without paying off the mortgage itself. Um, and you sign um, you know, a whole bunch of documents that say you promise to repay it. And, um, you know, there's the terms of the loan are dependent on a number of things, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, you know, how much you're putting down your credit, you know, those sorts of tidbits. Um, but it's basically a loan secured by the home that you purchase. And who gives you one of these loans? How do you find one? Let's talk about like how to find the perfect lo- lender for you. Yeah. So it's interestingly, I mean, you can get a mortgage like anywhere these days. I was at Costco and saw a sign that was like, no, Costco mortgage. And I was like, wait a minute. No. Wow. This isn't what we're going for. Um, So most um, loans are done by through three different types of entities. One would be a bank. That's your most obvious. Um, A lot of banks do mortgages. Um, and then you have what's called brokers, which is a um, where it's an entity that doesn't isn't lending their own money. They're basically selling loans to banks, um, and they serve similar to like an insurance broker, shopping the loan around to multiple banks. Um, and then you have what's called a mortgage banker, which is what I am, which was what Fairway is, so, which is sort of like a hybrid between a bank and a broker in the sense that we are lending our own money, but we, um, underwrite and can approve loans to the guidelines of, of basically any, um, any bank. So it's like kind of the best of both worlds and that we are the decision makers on the loan. Um, but we get to check all the banks that are out there and find the best rates and programs. Um, and we just have more leverage that way. Yes. So I kind of like to think of it as like the middleman is like, you're the one that's doing the shopping around for me to find the best ones. And then you just like do it for me. Exactly. That's exactly what I do. And you get to, then that takes the, uh, that extra annoyance off of your plate of having to be like, I got to go, you know, shop this around and find the best, um, find the best loan, find the best lender. Um, because it's not like an easy, um, quick and, you know, quick process. It's, there's a lot that goes into determining what your options are for a loan and, and how you qualify, uh, what the terms look like. So it's not like, you know, you can just like with a click of a button, you know, have a ton of information that makes sense to you. It's important to have somebody that, you know, educates you and explains all this and helps to do some of that work on your behalf. 
gosh, I can't, well said, well put. It's like everyone thinks they can just Google YouTube everything that they want to know, but they need a professional to walk them through it. I totally yep. get it. Yep, exactly. Now let's touch base on like, yeah, after you find the lender, how do you qualify? What documents do people need? Yeah, so um, we're basically, my job is determine your determine your ability to repay. And so your ability to repay, it has several pieces. You know, obviously we're going to look at your credit um, and we're going to look at your employment and your income, your assets. And, um, you know, one big thing we look at is what's called payment shock. And that is, we're going to look at how much are you paying right now, let's say in rent versus like how much would you, that's a big indicator of someone's um, likelihood to pay their mortgage on time is a, that they've paid their rent on time and b like, how much is their monthly expense going up? Is it, you know, is it doubling, you know, which can be concerning. Um, And, and so typically you're providing things like pay stubs, W2s, bank statements, um, you know, copies of things like, let's say, you know, if you're getting, um, if someone's getting social security or some type of benefit like that, then you'd get like an awards letter. Uh, if you're self-employed, we're going to get your tax returns. So things along those lines that we use to document what your qualifying income would be. And that, that you take all that stuff, you verify everything and you basically run, run the numbers, what they can afford with different down payment options. Yeah. So really that initial, uh, phase of the process is for us to figure out like a happy medium between what you qualify for and what you're comfortable with, which are mm-hmm. rarely the same number, right? Because I'll have people be like, I want my payment to be a thousand dollars a month. And I'm like, well, yeah, where do you, you know, like in, in my market in Austin, you know, th- that's not going to get you much. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, my, maybe like a fancy porta potty is what I like. I jokingly <laughs> say is like, do you want to live in a fancy porta potty or should we look at, you know, get, maybe going a little further out of town or doing a condo or whatever. But, um, we, we want to find that happy place. So I, I will always tell people, Hey, here's what you could qualify for based on your income and your monthly debts. Um, but then there's usually, you know, they usually have kind of a happy place in, in their minds of, Hey, you know, I really want to be around this monthly payment and this much, you know, of a down payment. And so we kind of work backwards into what that looks like for them so that I can send them out looking for a house that, you know, that, that will give them a payment they're comfortable with and, you know, as well as keep their funds for closing with in line with what they're, you know, what's available to them. That's super important is that you want you want to get pre-approved to know how much you can afford, do all of that work, and then search for a home. Because how the hell are you supposed to search for a home if you don't know how much you're looking for? So that's huge. It's huge. It's everything. And, you know, there's a, there's also just like a lot of misinformation out there for people. Um, and all of us do it. I mean, I do it all the time. I'm looking online, looking at houses, like, Ooh, this is cute. This is awesome. Love this location, whatever, whatever. But you know, I, I do this every day so I can in my head do that math and translate it. But you, you know, your average person, that, that's not, that's not what they do all day. 
And so they can get fixated on a certain, you know, location or type of property that they want. A a, a condo is a great example. You know, somebody would be like, I really want to live in a downtown condo. Well, that's cool. Um, But you got, you know, the price of the condo and then you might have HOA dues that are $600 a month. And that's not comfortable, you know. And so it's so, so important to have a really clear picture of what is doable for someone before we send them out looking at stuff that, you know, they fall in love with the house and they're like, well, holy crap, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be able to go out to dinner ever if I live there, you know? Yeah. So this whole process is called pre-approval, right? Pre-approval is, so there's two terms. There's a pre-qualification and a pre-approval. Um, a pre-qualification is like when I verbally speak with someone and they say, here's how much I make and here's what my debts are. And I can be like, okay, cool. But that sounds good. Um, I don't recommend a pre-qualification because it can be like very, very minimal, um, information. It can all be done verbally. A pre-approval means that we have pulled your credit. We have verified your income, your assets, and we have, we've basically done as much as we can possibly do to confidently send you out looking for houses. So it's really, really important to know the difference between the two. Absolutely. Pre-qual means nothing. Pre-qual means basically nothing. Yep. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. can say whatever you want, but you need to have a pre-approval in order to look for homes for sure. That's right. We cleared that up. Yes, for sure. Um, I get this question a lot, and I'm sure you do too, that people have this notion that they have to put 20% down. Now, this is a layered question because technically no, and you can explain that, but if you're in a super competitive market that it's customary or sometimes necessary, then yes. So let's cover the no part first. (laughs) Okay. So the no part is you absolutely don't have to put 20% down, which is our rural areas that allow for 0% down. So it's absolutely um, false that you have to put 20% down. Um, there's only certain cases where that's true. For the, for the mass majority of people, that is not a thing. So um, sometimes isn't there a loan limit? Like if you get an FHA loan and you put 3.5% down, isn't there usually a loan limit? There is. Yeah. So for both um, FHA and conventional loans, there are loan limits and they're dependent on location. So FHA is very specific. It's like based on county, um, like metropolitan areas. Right. So like the Austin area has a higher FHA loan limit than, say, um, Mm -hmm. El Paso. And that's simply because homes are more expensive here. And in California, you've got FHA loan limits like in the 700s because, again, mm-hmm. you've got higher cost of living and higher prices. So it's the FHA limits, depending on your location, conventional um, loan limits are m- mostly the same across the board. Um, like for 2021, the limit is 548250 For most states, um, there are some high cost locations that have higher limits. Um, the Seattle area is an example, Hawaii, um, parts of California. So they, they do vary, but FHA especially is, is heavily dependent on location. So you'd want to double check that. Can you define what FHA and conventional loans are? I totally can. Um, so FHA, Federal Housing Administration, those are loans endorsed by HUD. 
Um, and that's basically, you know, you could almost think of it as like a government backed loan. Um, and they, um, traditionally were aimed at first time home buyers, um, allowing, you know, the three and a half percent down. Um, they're also just a little more flexible in terms of, um, credit score and your debt to income ratio, which is, you know, how much of your income is going towards your mortgage and your other expenses. Um, and, you know, you see, you definitely see more of those with your first time home buyers, but um, you don't have to be a first time home buyer to use FHA. Um, it, it, the program allows co-signers, it allows your down payment to come from a gift. Like it's a, it's a pretty flexible product. A conventional loan is typically when you hear that, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, that's where when we're referring to conventional loans. And that's just another set of guidelines and parameters that people have to meet. Uh, I think, like I mentioned, you can do as little as 3% down. And um, the, the one of the biggest differences is that, you know, you have that private mortgage insurance that we talked about on a conventional loan. And the cost of that is dependent on your down payment and your credit score and other factors. Whereas with an FHA loan, the, the cost of that insurance, which is, is a HUD based insurance, also insurance against default, but it's the same regardless of, um, you know, your credit score. So it, if you're putting three and a half percent down, it's fixed at 0.85%. If you're putting more, 5% or more down, it's fixed at 0.8%. And it doesn't matter what your credit score is. Mm-hmm. And you have to get mortgage insurance if you're putting anything less than 20% down, right? You do on conventional. On an FHA, it doesn't matter how much you put down, you still have that insurance. Mm-hmm. So very rarely do people who are putting substantial down payments end up using an FHA loan. But a good example would be like, let's say someone was um, wanting to buy a more expensive house, say an $800,000 house, and they had a substantial down payment, but they hit a bankruptcy three years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, conventional, you can't, you can't get a loan with a bankruptcy three years ago, but you could get an FHA. So we Got could it. put them on an FHA loan and they'd still have to pay that insurance. But then once their bankruptcy is, you know, four years old, then, you know, we potentially refinance them to conventional or whatever. So it can be a great tool, even at a higher sales price, to allow more buyers to qualify. Perfect. Perfect. Um, You touched on something earlier, gift funds. I really want to talk about this because a lot of first-time buyers use gifts from their parents or their friends. And there's lots of ways that investors, I call these people investors, can help. They can help qualify you for a bigger loan. They can give you a down payment. So like, what are some ways that you have seen? Yeah. So I would say gift funds would be one thing that we can touch on. And then the other would be like Mm -hmm. co-signers. Gift funds are like for our sake, legally considered funds that you do not have to repay. So whoever's giving you the money signs a letter that says, I'm giving you this much money. Here's my relationship to you. And um, I don't expect repayment. Um, so, you know, in some cases, um, like depending on if it's FHA or conventional, that will dictate who is an eligible gift donor, but those funds are allowable to be used for your down payment. 
um, and there can't be a, you know, it can't be a loan, if that makes sense. Um, And then, um, you know, the gift can come from, typically it's a relative, um, a a partner, like a significant other, an employer. Um, There's programs where there's like county, state entities that, that provide down payment funds. So there's a, a number of ways to utilize gift funds um, to help with the down payment situation. Uh, another option, of course, is to have a co-signer. So that's someone who goes on the loan with you They and helps you qualify. We see this a lot on um, people who maybe don't have a lot of credits. So, you know, they're younger and just haven't, you know, haven't bought a car, haven't, haven't built much credit. And so they have a parent or a sibling or, you know, a, a grandparent co-sign the, the loan for them to provide some additional stability um, and qualification for that. And, um, you know, so sometimes we see gift funds and a co-signer. Sometimes we see one <laughs> or the other. But they're both great, you know, ways to get into houses. Um, same with, um, on that note, uh, people don't, I don't think, realize um, you, know, you can use, for most 401ks have special clauses in them that you can withdraw um, with, like, less penalty, less, and, and a lower interest rate to, on a 401k loan if you're using it to purchase a primary residence. And so, in that case, you're basically gifting money to yourself, right? You're, you're borrowing money from yourself. And so, um, we don't have to count that repayment against against you so it can be a great tool um to help facilitate a down payment if you don't have one same with a secured loan so like let's say you have a car that's paid off and you went to your credit union and said hey you know um you know i need to get a secured loan against this car um you know maybe they may lend you eight thousand dollars um secured by the car and because it is secured that's an eligible source of funds for a down payment love it look at all that such creative ways to get a down payment yeah yeah and i think people just kind of forget like if it's not if it's they think if it's not in their checking account that they don't have it and mm-hmm. um you know there's there's equity living in other places so we just gotta get creative sometimes yeah. And also like having a conversation with you is zero dollars and they could learn so much about everything is, they need to do. It is zero dollars. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> whereas, you know, um, there are times I feel I should charge people. <laughs> Me too. And I do. I do now, actually. I'm like, okay, now listen, but, um, no, generally it's, it's, um, a huge part of my job and your job, you know, is educating and not everyone I talk to is going to be able to buy a house like today or tomorrow. There's plenty of conversations that are like, Hey, you know, here's what you need to do so you can buy a year from now or two years from now or whatever. Um, but you know, we don't, we, we're not like attorneys where we charge by the hour for our time. No, but I did start the real estate Academy and I do charge by the hour for for that teaching but if you're a person looking to buy now then that's a different thing totally 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 i i i get that and there's you know our, there's so much misinformation out there that that i i, I like 
I tell people like, don't Google mortgage. Just don't do it. Oh God, don't Google idea. anything. Don't oh my God. Don't you can Google, Google like a symptom you're having, like your stomach oh hurts. Gosh. Don't don't Google that either. Just, I mean, you know. it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to Google what's yes. mortgage, how to buy and, a house. Yes, like talk to someone. It's it's usually free, and um, you know, it's part of this these you know jobs we do. Part of the reason we love them is because we are educators. Like we get to inform people and dispel things that they have read or heard from people that are wrong. It's usually like from their parents or like, you know, mm-hmm. Google. <laughs> I blame Google. I blame Google for everything. Um, yeah. Let's, let's quickly talk about an appraisal. So yeah, nobody knows what this is. So you, you get into contract on a house at a certain price that you think the house is worth that you want to pay. But then when you get into contract, everyone says, yes, your bank is going to send an appraisal out. So explain what that is. Sure. So an appraisal is um, an independent opinion. So um, just like if you want to know, like, what is my engagement ring worth? You take it to a jeweler and they appraise it and they say, hey, your ring is worth. It's the same thing with a house. It's um, they're going to look at similar homes like typically within a half mile radius that have closed within the last six months that are you know similar size quality um like they're not going to compare a a home that's um been totally renovated to a home that's you know partially falling down those aren't comparable so the appraiser's job is to find the best comparable sales put them all in a grid in a report and give an independent opinion of what the home is worth at that time. And so the goal obviously is that the appraisal comes back at or above what the purchase price of the home is. So you're paying 300,000. Our goal is the appraisal comes in at 300,000. Great. Super. Um, And lenders cannot choose who does the appraisal. We cannot talk to the appraiser because back in the day before the crash, appraisers and lenders were talking a little too much mm-hmm. and doing some shady, shady things. Um, and so it's, it's literally meant to be like a completely like, um, like I said, independent opinion. The appraiser pulls comparables from the, directly from the MLS. Um, they go, they take pictures of the home, they measure the home, they take pictures of the comparables. Um, they, they evaluate, you know, they make sure the water turns on, they make sure the air conditioner is working. So they, it's a pretty comprehensive report. Um, it's different from a home inspection, right? Which is optional you know, to have someone go through the house and pick it apart and find everything that might be wrong with it. Whereas an appraisal is a little, you know, higher, little, little they're touching on a lot of things they're checking for anything that's a red flag like if there's if the floor slopes or something the appraiser is going to be like uh we suggest a foundation inspection but their main job is just to say yeah this home is worth what you're paying for it or it's not um but typically you know with with those of us that are doing this every day um, we're not usually putting people in situations where homes aren't going to appraise, um, unless you're in crazy markets like Austin, Texas, and, and you might be overpaying. Yeah. Um, but it, it is an important piece of the process. 
and you need that appraisal because if it comes back below value, then the buyer has to make up the difference. Either the buyer has to make up the difference or the seller has to drop the price or a combination of the two. Yeah, whatever is customary in your market. Yes. In, our, in San Francisco, the seller's not dropping the price because there's 10 other offers, so you're going to take it. But usually appraisals come at value. Yeah, I mean, similar in Austin, seller it's a seller's market. So the seller's like, whatever, you're willing to pay it, and it is what it is. Um, but then, you know, there's other markets where sellers are perfectly willing to meet in the middle. Um, so, yeah, for sure, very dependent on the market you're in. So what is some advice for some people to not do and do when they're in the mortgage process? Great question. So <laughs> don't change jobs. Don't, um, you know, deposit large sums of money, you know, that you can't, that we can't track or trace. Like if you've been stockpiling, you know, hundred dollar bills under your bed or something, <laughs> Like, don't do anything with that till you've spoken with your loan officer and figured out the best way to document something like that. Um, don't buy a car. Don't open a new credit card. Do not charge up your credit card. Um, don't get married without telling someone you're getting married. Like, I'm not discouraging marriage. I'm just saying, like, if you were During unmarried, particular you started, time. now you're married. Now it's a different yeah. thing. Um, so any, you know, major life change, anything involving your bank account or your credit, um, you want to be really kind of leaving those things alone as much as you can. Um, you want to keep paying everything on time. You know, I have had people just like forget to make their car payment and the l lenders have to pull your credit at the beginning of the process and then refresh it at the end and a refresh isn't anything has changed. And so it'll see what balances have changed, if anything new has been opened, if the credit's been pulled again, um, just to make sure there's not been anything crazy happening. Um, and you'd be surprised. People do really stupid stuff. <laughs> like They're like, well, there's a sale at Lowe's. And I'm like, there's always sales at Lowe's. Yeah, don't no. buy furniture for your new house. Don't just do anything. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Don't go to dinner. Don't do anything. <laughs> I'm like, if you if you're not sure just ask me you know um, yeah exactly that's what we're here for it's like we're part of the team when you buy real estate your team is your badass lender and your realtor just don't yes. do anything without talking to us yeah literally if you're like if anything I, I'd rather people ask me you know if they can go have a sushi dinner and put it on their credit card like I want to know mm. I want to know yeah well thank you so much for your time this was jam-packed to the brim with education there's like literally so much more that we can talk about I, I would love to have another episode about like refinancing and HELOCs and leveraging your money and that can be a separate thing because that's totally after you have a house and your equity is built but we have a lot of stuff here Thank yeah. you so much, Melanie, for your expertise. This was awesome. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to um, keep exploring stuff with you. Yes. Now go enjoy Mexico. <laughs> I'm serious. I might go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you take care. Thanks, Marina. All right, Melanie. All right, Bye.